Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, some of the Twinkle EYFS team, special guest speakers and other early years practitioners as we talk honestly about our experiences. Whether you're listening for CPD, on your commute or to help you relax, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello, it's Shana here from the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. It is great to be back. I hope you have had a lovely week. This week's episode is part two of our little series on schemas. I know you've been waiting a little while for this. Thank you so much for being patient. In the first episode on schemas, we just did a general overview on what schemas are, why they're so important, how they impact child's development. But for this episode, we're going to get right stuck in into all nine different schemas and give you some examples of what they might look like and how we can help. So without further ado, Julia and Louise from our wonderful Early Years CPD team, take it away. Thank you for coming back, Julia and Louise. This is part two of Schemas. We decided to split it into two, didn't we? Because it's quite a big subject and we didn't want to miss anything out. So episode one was all about schemas as a whole, the theory behind it, the science, because these ladies are very clever and they told me lots of things. Now we're going to get into the nitty gritty, aren't we, of the different schemas. So Julia and Louise, let's get right stuck in. A little bit of a recap. What are schemas and why is schema play so important in early years? Right. Hi, everybody. So schemas are repeatable patterns of actions that children follow or become fascinated in as they explore and play. And it helps them to make sort of sense of the world around them, figuring out how things work and, yeah, and responding to things that they, they see and they experience. So why is it important? So schema play helps children, well, become fully engaged and immersed in their learning and their play. They play at a deeper level. They sort of learn to modify their behaviour and regulate themselves, test out their thinking, really, their ways of thinking. I love it. Like, I could feel the enthusiasm through that. I was like, yes, let's get some schema. Let's get engaged, children. (laughs) Let's do it. Because it really is like the science of learning about the world, isn't it? This is kind of like what underpins how we learn things, right? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. We still do it today. Exactly. So if you think about children that you see in your setting, they're going to be doing things like lining things up repeatedly or fascinated with how things are rotating or pouring see she's making it sound really whimsical here right and it is however you will also see children lobbing things across the classroom (laughs) children tipping things all over the floor children hiding your favorite children hiding your keys keys. okay so that is true yeah i mean it is a magical beautiful thing (laughs) But there is also that side of why, why child? (laughs) And why today? (laughs) Why my things? (laughs) It's a need. They need to experience these things. Do they need to hide my wallet though? Do they need to hide my wallet? That's part of the process, I'm afraid. (laughs) Everything is up for grabs. 
words. If you don't um, want your wallet disappeared, you hide it first. <laughs> oh, so it's my fault. Okay. All oh, oh, yes. right. I see how oh, it is. Yes. Okay. Lesson learned. Right. Yeah. In the terms of these schemas then, ladies, I really want to go into each one of them and really look at what they actually mean and, and what they could look like at home, in settings, or just in terms of general behavior and um, activities that they can do. So one of the schemas is called transporting. Now, I'm guessing that's something to do with moving. Yeah, definitely. So it's to do with lots of different things in terms of distance and journeys and exploring how things travel from one place to another. Um, And that also includes them. So it could be an object, but it also could be how they travel from one place to another. So you might see children carrying items from place to place. You might see them picking up and moving things. And sometimes it's unpleasant things as well as pleasant things that they might. Okay, you need to give me an example here. What do you mean? Be specific, please. What is this? Oh, um, Picking up poop? Is that what you're saying? Picking up mud. <laughs> oh, she means poop. She means poop, listeners. She just can't say that word. Oh. <laughs> or just things that you may, might not want them to necessarily mm. pick up and transport. So, yeah. yeah. So things rubbish that, that they're going through the bin. Yeah. Yeah. Rubbish going yeah. through the bin and moving things. Or, yeah. So other things that they might do, they might lose items or find items in unusual places. And in this schema, they generally, children generally look very, very busy. Mm. Busy bees. When you say move, like transporting themselves, does it like, as in exploring movement, like rolling or walking or jumping or things like that? Or am I, have I got it wrong? Yeah, I would say all of that as well as maybe, so for example, being very interested in packing something up and then moving it some, somewhere else. So you might see like being quite interested in shopping and shopping bags and suitcases and travel so yeah Um, they'll be interested in moving themselves and objects and that's why those like little cute I I remember had I had one when I was a little girl the the red the red the red cars that you sit in oh with the steering wheels and you push yourself down yes and you want lots of things in your car too something yeah you put all the things in your car because you're going shopping on holiday (laughs) on holiday and then like you know the garden walls in the way and you're trying to get around the garden wall you just can't you know I'm having vivid yeah flashbacks we're there (laughs) definitely I'm there I can feel it not only that but things like packing a bag full of things and then transporting it somewhere completely different, which for educators can be quite frustrating because mm. you're like, where's all of that gone? Mm-hmm. And, and parents as well, you know, that they've lost a whole cupboard of mm-hmm. interesting items because children have packed them into something and moved them to a different part of the house. Mm. So, um, yeah. Might be a more challenging one with organising and keeping tidy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah tidy up time might be more interesting I was gonna say <laughs> these are the kids in the tidy ups but you're just like you know what just stop it would be easier if you just didn't help well it's usually like five minutes before you're about to like you know do the tidy up song you know you see them and you're like if you just <laughs> if you just couldn't <laughs> adult support for tidy up time that's like, not where it goes at the beginning <laughs> so actually speaking of settings then what kind of activities or things that we could we do as practitioners to enable transporting schema play 
Yeah, so there's loads of different things. So things like pouring. So Mm. obviously that's transporting water or sand in different ways using jugs and buckets and bottles and finding how how you can move things in different ways. Providing things like wheeled toys and trains and prams and walkers. So thinking big and small objects. Like I've mentioned, providing loads of different ways to transport things. So prams, bags, suitcases, boxes, trolleys, trolleys, yeah, anything like that. Or wheelbarrows and buckets. Mm. So providing loads of different resources that will enable children to explore how to move an object from place to place. Cute. I like it. I feel like I've learned a lot. I'm inspired already. I'm thinking in September, like, oh, what can we put in these areas? I like it. I like it. So next schema then, trajectory. What's that all about? So trajectory, again, is a little bit about movement because it's children will be learning how to move things and how then they respond. So they might be moving their bodies or objects in horizontal and vertical movements. So this is where the lobbing comes in, is that right? <laughs> mm-hmm. This is where things will be thrown. Okay. <laughs> Get Got yourself yeah. prepared. All right. And it might be messy and it might be noisy yeah. as mm. well. Mm-hmm. So children in this um, schema throw objects, like we've mentioned. They quite often will be making a mess because they'll be dropping items and moving them and mm. making noise while they move them because they're interested in how, when you move something, the response that it has. Yeah. And that can be making a noise, making a sound, making a splat when they throw spaghetti on the floor, which I actually mm. think is quite fun. But, you know. Yeah, well, I, I love a messy place. So, yes, definitely <laughs> ha- responding to how something moves. Yeah. And making a mess while you do it is is something that everybody needs a little bit of in their life. Very freeing, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I think it's a good one to talk to parents and caregivers about because I feel like it's one that children can sometimes be told not to do a lot. So it's like finding a balance between doing it all the time (laughs) and still you know finding yeah finding a balance where they can enjoy it but not you know they're throwing food at the walls (laughs) this is my thing I feel like it's a lot easier to scaffold as an adult in a setting in a controlled environment I think it's a lot harder for parents at home to allow trajectory because if I'm thinking myself as a parent I'm like no they are not throwing the ball inside no they are not dropping the jelly on the floor I can see why they say no so how can we support them what can we do for them I think one of the things is if you are struggling with trajectory inside definitely Mm. taking it outside and seeing how they can explore things in the outdoor environment is quite a nice way if you're quite you know you have white walls etc yeah. <laughs> rented accommodation exactly yes. yeah mm-hmm. and maybe also thinking about the type of mess that you may do inside so if they are going through the trajectory schema then maybe providing drier messy play mm-hmm. activities inside and leaving the wetter <laughs> things for outside yeah so other things things like throwing things at targets to using skittles and balls and throwing balls into buckets or toy paper aeroplanes and maybe sort of providing things like ramps and different surfaces that children can move objects down or roll things down so guttering pipes and tubings and and tubing and ramps those are all sort of loose parts that are great for this schema but the other side of it is obviously them exploring their whole body in playful activities so providing lots of physical play because 
It's about them exploring their movement of their body as well as objects. And again, you could use things like, I mean, I remember in my setting, we used loose parts like uh, big planks and, mm. you know, there's like milk tray palette things. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were blue and green and black. Yeah. Crates, that's the one. Crates. Yeah. Milk crates. And we made different obstacle courses and they were excited to find out what they had to do uh, on that day or if it was set up the same, it'd be like, well, you can't, you can't walk on it this time. You've got to crawl on it. You've got to crawl through the obstacle course or things like that. Is that oh, on the right yeah, line? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Loads of different ways of providing physical play. And that, that can also be things like climbing frames and, mm. you know, even using a yo-yo. That is a type of physical play that children can enjoy. Cool. Okay. Lots of ideas there then. What about this schema called enclosing? Enclosing, yeah, you seem confused. I am, (laughs) enclosing. So it's all about creating boundaries and then often putting things inside other things. Okay, got it. So it is a lot about boundary making. So you might see children putting resources away, but in the wrong place. Mm. So just kind of putting things in different enclosed spaces because they want to put it in containers and they want to group resources together as well. So sometimes they don't want things to touch. So you might see this a lot with food. I think that comes from quite a lot. And I think sometimes when they've grouped things, for example, by colour or by size, they might put them together in piles and then they don't want them to interact because they're making little boundaries. They're seeing how sorting things basically in different ways. I've seen it a lot, um, especially when we do the topic of the farm, because mm-hmm. you naturally have like in the small world area, like exactly. little boundaries for different areas and you'll make one boundary and the kids just put everything in it. And yeah. I'm like, guys, it don't fit. The pigs go over there. It's not the about that. <laughs> I know I'm missing the point, aren't I? I'm just not seeing through the child's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and we can, I mean, that's our own enclosing okay. schema coming out, you know, because we know more categories. Right. Like, oh, everything should go together with the right category. but for them they're like well I'm just gonna put a big old group of toys together and then later down the line they might be like oh these are the zoo animals and these are the farmyard animals and then separate those possibly Mm. so it can be something that they then grow and decide to group in different ways this is a bit of an oddball question Mm. is it actual physical boundaries or do they have invisible or internal boundaries as well I think a bit of both because sometimes there's physically the mini fences that we were talking yeah. about in Small World or they can use ropes or strings to actually physically create boundaries or they can even draw or paint enclosed shapes and spaces. But sometimes it's just, you know, in their head if they're playing a game, they're like, no, we're over here, you stay over there. And right. they like an invisible boundary in their head or like the boundary goes from the tree to the other tree and they're like oh no this is our space or like only for girls only for boys you know sometimes they do them that's really interesting because I never noticed that kind of behavior as an enclosing schema before because I have seen a lot of children pick places for their friends to play mm. and I always thought it was just being mean like oh no you go play over there we're playing well, here it depends how it kind of <laughs> like arrives you don't want children to be mean to each other yeah and they're really nice to each other and they love each other and they're great friends but that so they've they've just got this idea in their head of where things are categorized basically like if they're playing a game together i remember very vividly a superhero and supervillain game and one of the little girls she was the superhero like leader and she was saying to all the villains no the villains are over there that's like your hideout you stay there you can't come to us (laughs) so that's kind of 
kind of a similar thing. It's like grouping them in yeah. their own way in their brains. And so that's why it's quite fascinating when they are invisible boundaries, because obviously as adults, we can't see those. And we're like, yeah. what do you mean we can't come over here? Right. I was like, <laughs> why can't they come you. over here, young lady? Yes, yeah. A villain can go wherever they want. And I exactly. completely misunderstood what they were doing. <laughs> Whoops. It kind of appear in different ways. And that's why it's interesting to talk about schema play and behavior because it's not always obvious. You know, like with the little fences, you go, ah, okay, I see what you're doing. But outside playing games, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's really interesting. So how can we like promote that in our settings? Well, I mean, there's lots of things we can provide for children, like different types of small world objects and loose parts play that they can kind of sort and different types of containers as well that they can see, you know, how things might fit because it's really good for sizing and sorting objects, which is a big thing in maths, obviously. And then creating boundaries, we can kind of provide things that they can use to create. So like we were talking about with the string and, you know, blocks or even those crates that's a nice one that they sometimes create boundaries with outside or big twigs and things and they also sometimes like to hide themselves so that's something that can also enclosing and enveloping they can cross over together because sometimes they hide themselves and objects well the, i think this is where i got confused because mm-hmm. i was like i'm sure i'm sure it was called enveloping so enveloping is a separate schema tell us about that then while we're here okay so enveloping is something where they're almost entirely hiding an object or themselves from view right but usually like by completely containing it so it's one of those ones that does get quite confusing with enclosing but it's more like you might see them wrapping things up in fabric Mm. or wrapping things up in paper and like basically you can no longer see whatever it is that they're they're hiding so it's um really like it's disappearing from view in a way but why why do they want it to disappear but I mean, why do they want to do any of these things? It's a fascination well, that they're exploring. Just to see that it happens or that it comes back when they reveal it or... Yeah, it's something that they're basically exploring because, I mean, that's a fascination of like hide and seek in itself as well. Like they like seeing that things have kind of, you know, disappeared and come back again. Peekaboo. And, yeah. yeah. Oh. All, in a way, it's something fascinating about something going away and then also doing it themselves as well. Like they like to hide things, you know, when they've got like those little... They almost make this little stick and fabric yeah. um, packages. You know, they'll make that and they'll oh have God. lots of secret things in there. And that's very exciting Yeah, for but them. the amount of games we used to play when I was little about how we were homeless and we had to pack all our things <laughs> and go away. Like, that's just, that was a schema. That was totally yeah. a schema. I just wanted to pack, I, and I just wanted to pack things away and then unpack them. And then I'd be like, right, okay, we've got to move now. We've got to go to the next bit. Yeah, and just pack it away again. So I, I think that's quite magical. Thing, yeah. isn't it hiding something or burying it and then finding it again it's yeah. just magical and there's something very exciting about it because even themselves they might have forgotten what they've hidden in there someone else doesn't know yeah. they can guess when they hide themselves they're very excited because they think you know there's something about that that you can't quite capture that spark of like oh i'm so scared and someone might find me and they might not yeah. you know like it's very yeah. exciting for them it it's something exciting. else to explore i feel like as well that's kind of where they start to be self-aware kind of aware that they have an amount of knowledge and somebody else has different knowledge Mm -hmm. because like you say they know something's hidden but then they realize that nobody else does and they start to get that awareness of how different people have different accesses to information so that's probably really exciting like only I know where it is or and they might have seen adults do that as well because you know what's in the box or what's in the bag and be like oh this is very exciting 
and you know you might describe what's in it and that's like it's an exciting activity and then they want to experience that for themselves as well I mean there's lots of fun things about it it's great I think this is probably my favorite one what kind of things can we do to promote like those kind of play stuff I mean lots of things with providing enough resources for them to do so so making sure that you have lots of kind of fabrics or paper or materials that they can wrap things up or hide themselves in I mean like you know when children are under the covers oh they love enveloping it. themselves that's yeah. very exciting too or like having those secret conversations under the sheet like, yes <laughs> so oh. providing things like that so that they can do it I mean even having tents or little teepees or little spaces like under the table that sometimes you know you just put it doesn't have to be expensive just put a piece of like old fabric that you can find over that and that's a nice enveloping space for them yeah and also dolls that's a big one as well you can envelope dolls in fabric and wrap them up as well so they might have you know they'll see that with babies as well enveloping them and they'll want to do the same thing so and like having like boxes with lids with a little slit in or something yeah, or things exactly. that, you know, like kim's game just play kim's game and things like that as well and just you know have those exposures to those kind of fun peekaboo games they're lovely yeah. cute okay rotation slash circular schema what's this Oh, I, lo- I love this one. <laughs> Do you want to talk a bit yeah. about it? No, no, you go for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have two that are, I, I think are my favourites. This is one oh. of them. So it's all about learning how things move, turn and spin physically and like exploring how they rotate and twist. So as the name kind of alludes to, <laughs> how things rotate and circular like objects and how they move. So you might see them turning taps on and off, you know, especially those ones that go round and round. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're, I mean, just playing with those, you're like, oh my God, there's so much water. <laughs> yeah, when you turned it off and then you come oh, back yeah. and the baby's turned it on and you're like, for goodness sake, I've just turned it off. You just get yourself wet. Yeah. Look, so much fun to twist. <laughs> it is fun. I'm not going to lie. It is fun. So playing with those sort of objects that twist or move and then kind of even spinning themselves round, that's really fun, seeing how things go circular. And they might watch objects that spin as well. So things like washing machine or water going around mm. the sink or the drain, even the loo, to be honest, because that's exciting. So they might be there flushing the loo, being like, ooh, what's going on? Yeah, they love watching their poo go around. It's quite an entertainment. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And then, of course, like wheels, cogs, dials, all that sort of thing. They'll enjoy looking at that and exploring, and exploring how they can affect mm. the rotation. You know, so, for example, the water's going down the drain. Can they do something that will then affect the flow of that? I think that's really fascinating in this schema about how they can make it change speed up slow down stop change direction yeah, yeah okay see for me I just feel sick thinking about this because I'm like <laughs> me spinning things just make me feel well quite it's not nauseous. for everyone <laughs> it's not for everyone it's not yeah. but I mean yeah it's quite fun quite explorative I feel like it's quite sensory as well mm. I feel like a lot of schemas are very sensory yeah. actually there's always a lot of sensory elements to them you can always bring that in which yeah. is nice so what kind of things could we bring in for this schema then in our settings well i have a lot of thought about all those circular objects so thinking about the wheels or even you know things that you can turn the circular way like ribbons or things that roll down a slope so lots of things that kind of have a circular shape to them or spin like spinning toys or even like rings and bangles lids like all these sort of things they can play with and explore 
as well as they might want to draw or paint circles or rotational shapes and of course move themselves a nice one is like playing games in circles as well like if you know like ring a ring a rosy that sort of thing that would be nice oh yeah seeing that circular shape and just exact duck goose and things yeah and the parachute Parachute. Oh yes, I used to love the parachute. So exciting. <laughs> See, I liked it because I was enveloped in it. Uh, yeah. mm. well, but that's so true, though, because it was like another space, wasn't it? And it was very exciting again because so you were just in this special place. And you stick it under your bum, and then it, you know you've got you've got a fruit, and they say fruit salad, yeah. and everyone runs, and you're like, oh, we're gonna catch it, yeah. So schemas can cross over guys i'm loving it i like it transforming schema i feel like i've got just transformers the robot in my head (laughs) at the minute that's not what it is is it not quite not quite no this this is this is (laughs) your actual favorite all right tell us all about it yeah i love this one because it's when children are really exploring the cause and effect and creating new things by exploring what happens when things are mixed together. So you get a lot of messy play, a lot of mixing materials, craft activities where they're cutting and tearing things apart and seeing how things be formed together. Yeah, lots and lots of messy play. And there's the seasonal changes as well and how things are transforming in nature. As you know, I love a lot of things to do with nature. We love a bit of nature. Yeah. Mm. The whole fascination of something growing from a seed to a plant and how rain when what happens when rain mixes with mud and yeah I love this schema okay you've convinced me I feel like this is my favorite one as well because that whole the thing for me about this is life cycles Mm. I think nature is so incredible and when you I remember every year right in my nursery I used to get uh, one of my colleagues had a pond in her garden I'm sure I've talked about this on an episode before but I'll say it again because it's so good and I would get her frog spawn from her pond and I'd set up a man-made pond in in the nursery and we would watch the frog spawn change and grow and then we'd have the frogs and we'd release them back into the pond that they came from and the magic that those kids saw and that I felt to be honest and watching that transformation I just think that's awesome and they'd act it out as well and it was just hilarious these little kids on the floor trying to pretend to be little tadpoles and then they go pop and they're like oh I've got my tail now and it's the cutest thing and I love it yeah so I mean nature is perfect for that because there's so many different things that are transforming all the time in nature so yeah so transforming is so many different things but it's yeah I love this schema so in our settings providing things like mud kitchens and role play cooking and experiences of things like mashing things and grinding things to make soups and ice cream and things like that is perfect gardening and growing obviously to to explore the nature aspect watering cans and putting seeds in soil and watching them change over time like a malleable area as well like with lots of like modeling dough and different cutty pieces and yeah and involving children in creating the modeling dough I mean that's really important as well because you're taking some dry ingredients and then they become wet and then they form into something that they can then mould and use. So it's the science of it, isn't it? It's investigating the science of how materials go together. 
And then obviously lots of messy play and the craft activities that I've mentioned. So using things like scissors and hole punches and card and different types of paper that can be ripped and crunched together. And yeah, it's great. Love it, it sounds so much fun. And I just kind of want to make a point here because I feel like I'm guilty of this. When you hear that, you think, oh, they just break everything. But actually there's that other side of creating things Ooh. as well, isn't there? So it's like things like, Lego, you know, or Duplo or blocks or something like that. They're taking pieces and they're transforming them by putting them together and creating something. Is that kind of the same thing? Yeah. I mean, so taking things that might be different materials to combine together to make something new. However, I would say probably the blocks is more, I mean, it is creating something new, but it's the cause and effect that children are working through with this schema. So yeah, I would say it, it is, but probably in the transforming schema, you're looking at probably the more messiness of it. If you see what I mean. <laughs> She's basically saying, Shana, get over it. The kids can be messy. Let them be messy. Just <laughs> let them do it. All right. Message received loud and clear. I've got it. Uh, orientation schema. What's that? So, I mean, I like this one as well, actually. So <laughs> You like them all. I think I like the one all. you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there is. Exactly. Um, so this is when children are learning about how objects and themselves look from different angles and places and positions. So they're really exploring how the world can look from different perspectives. So from upside down, from high up, looking behind them. So quite often you might see children running, but looking behind them. Yes. And then obviously looking at things from different heights. So children that are working in this schema tend to be taking risks. So there's a lot of risky play, which we talked about in a in a different episode. Climbing and hanging upside down because they're interested in seeing what something looks like from a different angle. Walking backwards, like I've mentioned, as they run and walk. And yeah, just generally looking at objects in different ways. So they might even look at objects through different things, maybe looking through those coloured, you know, we get those yeah. coloured kind of see-through-ish plastic slides. Shapes. Yeah, the coloured yeah. shapes and they look through it like, oh, exactly. Miss Walker, you're yeah. green. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Or looking through something very small. Yeah. And seeing how it looks big, but you're looking at through something very small. Yeah, like magnifying glasses or they, even use like toilet tubes don't they from the junk modeling area yeah, they just go exactly. around and it's like hey you've made a toy Congre you know what you're happy that's great you do you yeah do, is it the same with objects like you know about perspective is it if they can't change their view do they then also then change the object to look at that at different angles yeah I mean it's but it's both and you'll find that with lots of the schemas that whatever it is is it's the object as well as themselves right so this one you'll have the physical them doing something because they're looking at things in different angles or positions or you might have them changing the position of items so putting something up high to see how it might look putting something underneath something like putting the dolly upside down and stuff like that and yeah so looking at looking at how objects look in different positions mm, I like it I like it I feel like that's a hard one to support in settings or am I wrong what can we do for that one um so there's a lot of loose part manipulation um, ah. so using mirrors using different materials that they can look at things through or turn upside down or <laughs> playing at different heights and levels so 
things like looking like you were mentioning earlier using crates and ramps and standing on them and looking or maybe going underneath something to look at how something looks from down low to up high also things like lots of physical activities so swinging and rolling and climbing and rolling down hills um, to look at things and how how they're changing as they're as they're moving and yeah things like the looking through binoculars or the tubes that you've just mentioned and magnifying glasses and things like kaleidoscopes they're, oh they're great they're cool, yeah. Aren't they? yeah hours of yeah. fun with those i love it and then you make your own with the junk modeling tubes and you put like little um like t- different colored mm, tissue paper exactly. in and then they turn it around and they just they feel like they're superstars like they've just made a scientific invention and it's the cutest yeah. okay so i feel like that one is very similar to this one we're going to talk about now positioning schema that sounds very similar to orientation or i completely misunderstood it this is where they i mean they do cross over you know and we've mentioned that before that you know you can you can look at something and think that it's one schema but they might actually be working through two schemas at the same time so positioning schema is more to do with children lining up objects up right putting things in rows making patterns and again organizing objects in a particular way so yeah it's slightly different if you were thinking of the orientating schema they do closely link so you will have children that might be placing objects in a line but then they might want to put them at a different height or yeah um, at a different angle or position things on a ramp so you might get the crossover you might see children lining things up like I've mentioned in a row sorting um, and organizing toys or objects be putting things in color or size order yeah so those are the kind of things that children would probably present with so things like which you would love in a setting is um, lining books up neatly. Yeah, I feel like this is your schema, actually. (laughs) They have done Very (laughs) organised. Or at tidy up time, maybe organising all the pencil pots by colour. Oh, these are my people. Yeah, I was going to say, you love these. (laughs) These are my kind of kids. Get me me some more of this schema. Yes. Tidy up time is is a good one for this. Yeah, and they are really good at it. But then also I've noticed with these kids, when you said something about the books, that just instantly hit a memory. Even though we had a reading garden and it was all organised, they would put the books out on the floor and just line them up Mm. for fun. As in, Mm -hmm. it wasn't tidy up time, it wasn't this. It was just that was their game. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And like, "Oh, I'm just lining the books up." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's for me. That wouldn't seem like a fun task, but for them, they were living their best life." And I was like, "Okay, mm. you do it. I mean, as long as you put them back." But I know that you will because you've got that schema, and I know you'll be fine. <laughs> You're like, "I'm good with organizing this." Don't yeah, worry. <laughs> got it handled. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, even like, have you seen those rainbow-colored books? Stop. I mean. I'm obsessed with rainbow. Everything has to be in rainbow order. Well, it's positioning, isn't it? But Or sorting by colour. And, you know, sometimes you sort by size as well, and it's very satisfying. It's so satisfying. Like, this this is definitely your skin. This is for you. This This was made for you. Oh, my God. I'm really excited just thinking about it. Like, you should see my house. Everything is in colour order. Well, and that's that's a really good point to make. If you're thinking of mm-hmm. as you develop, as you grow up, if the positioning schema is your preferred type of schema, yeah. you will do things like line up your spices on your yeah. spice rack. so that In they... alphabetical order. <laughs> exactly. Wow. How did you know? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think we could guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it goes, this is how deep this schema goes for me, right? 
And I still do this now, even in my job, even though I'm not a teacher anymore, I still got to like, you know, keep data and stuff. But all of my planning was color coded. Monday was red, Tuesday was orange, Wednesday was yellow, Thursday was green, Friday was blue. And I mean, if any of my colleagues or previous colleagues that are listening to this right now, they're going to be like, oh my God, yeah. All (laughs) of my planning, all of my documentation is color coded and it always has been. Yeah, well, I think some people are much more like tuned in to certain ones. And I don't know if you've seen that organizing TV show, but they organize everything by color and they actually- Oh yeah, on that streaming site. Yes. And um, what's really interesting is that they say that their kids find it easier to tidy things up as well. Because they're like, you know, we organize the books like this so that the children can actually be like, oh, the yellow goes with the yellow and the orange goes with the orange. And she says she even does it for her crisps, which I think is, you know, next level. Okay, that's a step too far. <laughs> like, even I can be like, hmm. But that, it makes me laugh though, because she goes, she's here making the shopping list. And she goes, what are we low on? They're like, yeah, we're low on blue. And she's like, oh yeah, okay, salt and vinegar. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, okay, that's next level. That Where is next you? level. <laughs> but it makes hmm. me laugh because it shows you Adults appreciate a good positioning. <laughs> we do. We do. And I feel like this is probably one of the easier ones for early year settings to typically support. Because I feel like we do a lot of support in this schema anyway, in terms of like sorting and positioning and size ordering, you know, things like that. Yeah, I mean, the continuous provision is is all geared up, well, for all of these schemas, actually, you know, but yeah, there's a lot of sorting and organising toys, so providing baskets and boxes and clear containers so that children can see what's in them, but also things like playing in the home corner, you know, setting up dinner, using the cutlery and positioning the cutlery on the table and cooking and eating and tidying away, all of that role play, they will be using positional actions to support them really. So, and then also there's all the natural resources that obviously children can go and gather and bring to wherever they're exploring and make patterns using using the different objects that they find. So they might line up conkers or they might make a symmetrical pattern. So yeah, using natural and manufactured loose parts is brilliant for this scheme. Yeah, I feel like vehicles and road games. And do you remember those big maps you used to get when you were mm. a kid and it was just a giant like road map? I would spend hours playing with that, with little cars and putting them in the car park and making sure the police car goes to the police station. And is that kind of also sorting in, and positioning in that kind of way? Yeah, and actually you've crossed over into a different schema again there because oh, you've sorry. put... <laughs> no apology. You've put them in a boundary as You'd well. You'd be transporting you? probably as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And All seeing the how the trajectory of the movement. Yeah. Tick, 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 tick. I like it. Oh, yeah. Same with like the little train sets as well. Yeah, the, the train like, sets. Oh, at the station, there's the yes. one like checking the tickets. They're in their position. Yeah. But you're also seeing how they move. And it's, oh. yeah, they do cross over. They do. Oh, that's cute. I like that. Okay, last but certainly not least then, the connection schema. So this is all about exploring how things join together and separate. I mean, it makes a lot of sense with connection because you see a lot of children fascinated, for example, with magnets. Mm. I mean, the first time a child (laughs) sees some sort of magnetic toy, you can see that innate focus and interest from it. But Mind blown. How? Yes, trying to figure it out because it's fascinating. So they'll try and join objects and materials together 
and see how they connect and disconnect repeatedly if they can. And also playing with their own fastenings. You know, that's why they're fascinated with zips as well. I mean, zips are fascinating if you really look at them. (laughs) Or buttons and poppers. And, you know, that's sometimes when they're getting ready to go outside, you might think, could we quicken this up a little bit? But sometimes (laughs) they're just in their fastenings. But look at these, like, you know, Velcro. It's fascinating. And they'll see their friend's shoes and they'll be like, but theirs are different to mine or their jacket's different and they've got Mm. a button. How's this working? Yeah. And actually, Shana, what you said before about the transforming and using blocks, this Uh, is probably where where you'll have have more connecting things and taking them apart. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like it. And again, I feel like this is another probably good one that earlier settings are probably pretty geared up to do, aren't we? Because we've got lots of things that they like to put together and take apart. Well, maybe not the taking apart part. Yeah, but like still like breaking pieces apart in terms of like blocks that yeah. connect together and even, you know, threading as well. So that's something that we yeah. provide a lot. And so we'll be putting those on. And then they'll also be taking them off and seeing how that works. Yeah. Or tying things together and using kind of different threading boards. And of course, all those magnetic toys that you can explore and construct. And then, yeah, the different structures you could use with bricks, as well as like the fastenings, which they'll also see on dolls' clothes or dressing up and role play things as well, which is nice. But yeah, lots of different. I mean, even the the gate to, you know, your outdoor area or when they leave, they'll be like, oh, how does this work? You know, there's lots of different ways that things connect that you might not necessarily think about even them closing the doors you know sometimes they have a special automatic lock and you think could you could you not do that (laughs) but they'll be there thinking how does this work you know they're figuring things out it's like with a toddler they figure out how to unlock the shower exactly like the bathroom door when you're in the shower and you're like no five minutes (laughs) peace I'm gone (laughs) they're just fascinated with I like it it so yeah we're doing quite a lot there's a lot to learn here I quite like this this is fun and we've got a couple of questions as well from um, listeners who maybe want to explore schemas more in their settings one question is how can I support language through schema play that's a good question because I'm, I'm I'm assuming there's quite a lot of vocabulary involved in all of these yeah definitely there's a huge amount of language and actually because obviously children will be really engaged and fascinated in their plays so for the adult to be sitting alongside and maybe modeling some of that language is is a great way to give children the voice of talking about the schemas that they're exploring as well we've created a resource which is based around all the different schema play language that you can use thinking about some of the core language and some extending language opportunities that you might want use to support children as they're playing and exploring the schema that they're currently in so I think you're going to maybe add the link to the podcast yes I will you know it (laughs) Uh, we've got another question as well it says how can schema play look different at different stages of development because I remember you saying before that it doesn't matter what age the child is they can do any schema so of course a child in the enveloping schema at maybe one year old is going to look very different to maybe a child that's doing that schema at five years old right yeah so it will grow and develop with the child so I think that's something to just bear in mind that it's not like I think we talked about this last time it's not a tick box they're not done with this schema they'll come back to it they'll have different fascinations and like you say depending on their age it will look very very different and schemas are so important 
as a part of their cognitive development in general, and they'll grow and adapt. So as we were saying, in terms of extending their schema play and behavior, they will be able to do that at different extents, depending on their age and depending on the scaffolding and the resources. So when we were saying, oh, at first, when they're, for example, in closing something, it might just be a big pile of toys at first. But, you know, later when they start seeing the differences and different resources, they might start to separate those again. And that will be a bigger extent when they're younger and when they're older. But schemas are very important throughout their development. And, you know, Jean Piaget talks about that in greater detail if people want to find out, you know, what schemas look like when it's not just play and behavior, when you're looking at kind of repeated actions like the sucking or the grabbing, which might look quite different to what we're talking about now. Yeah. So what we focused on is schema play and behavior that we usually see in the early years, but when they're a bit younger, it might look a lot more basic in some ways, but they're still learning about the world around them and it's a huge part of their development. Cool. This is so much knowledge. I'm loving it. Now, as always, at the end of the episode, we always play a game. But I've been told Ooh. I've been hijacked. What's happening? <laughs> it's our Be turn. afraid. I Be am. Very afraid. <laughs> what is this game? that Please You're making stop. a game for me? You yeah. pushed through the paces last time. It is our turn. Oh, so it's payback. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Oh, well, yes. it's kind of my own fault then, isn't it? All right, right. Definitely is. <laughs> what's happening so we've got four <laughs> different play scenarios and you need to guess what schema the children are currently exploring oh dear god you can do it if you've been listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a test of whether i actually listen to you exactly two. or whether um... you're going this sounds great i've immediately <laughs> forgotten what you've said oh no but i also have a terrible memory okay i'm gonna try really hard okay okay can question before we begin can there be more than one schema or do I have to pick one? There's, it's mainly one. Okay. Yeah. I think there's one obvious one. We will, yeah. you know, consider other options. Okay. Is there like a point system? Am I going to win a prize? Yeah. The joy of, <laughs> of taking part. Prize of pride. Oh, <laughs> boo. Well, it's, you know. Boo, I want a trip we, to Mallorca. We're still waiting on our prize from last time. Oh, oh yeah. Let's go with the joy thing. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Okay, question I one. It's Moving up. on. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, first scenario. You observe a child fascinated with filling up cups of water, climbing into cardboard boxes, and building fenced areas and placing small world animals inside the space. Okay, I was thinking one thing at the beginning and then you said about enclosing stuff and I was like, oh. So when you said water, I was thinking transporting. And then you said about, what was the kid doing to themselves? Climbing, Climbing into, into cardboard Right, then they climbed into something and then it was putting things in boundaries. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say enclosing. The enclosing schema. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, 10 points to Gryffindor. Okay. <laughs> Phew. You threw Awkward. me with that first bit. <laughs> yeah, I think that bit was, was tricky, but that's why sometimes some activities do cross over. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it can be more than one, yeah. Phew. Okay. Right, you ready for number two? I'm on a roll. Yeah, they hit me. <laughs> you observe a child playing outside, rolling tires and rolling themselves down a bank spinning around on the spot and fascinated with watching the sand whiz around a sand wheel they also love to watch water spiral down the plug hole when washing their hands this one is easy for me because i felt sick as you were saying (laughs) and this is the one that makes me feel sick and dizzy so this is the rotation slash circular schema very good yes very good very Mm -hmm. impressed do you see how we're supporting you instead of being oh, like, yeah, okay. boom? <laughs> it's just because you're clever, okay? You're clever too. We're cheering you on. You yes. are. You're lovely. Okay. I'm sorry. Next question. Okay. Schema scenario number three. Lou, why do you make it sound so scary? Julia's really chilled <laughs> when she says the scenarios. You make me feel like I'm on like, who wants to be a millionaire or something. I know. You're like presenter energy. I think I should be on a quiz show. I, I feel like you, you should. It. Stressing mm-hmm. me out. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> Keep going. Number three. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? (laughs) This child loves anything sensory. They love combining different messy materials, mixing and creating different concoctions in the mud kitchen. When talking about their schema play with their caregiver, they mention to you that their child loves holding their food in their mouth for quite a long time before swallowing it, experiencing, enjoying whatever is happening. And they love to mix their drink with their food. That is disgusting. (laughs) That is... Just to see what happens. No, that's that's messed up. You don't don't put food... mm, mm, mm. You don't put food in your drinks. Well, this child does because they're exploring this schema. Mm, More power to them. And seeing what happens as, yeah, cause and effect. Okay, well, this is unfair because I feel like we didn't cover this scenario while we were talking um some of it we did we did because we talked yeah, but not about... the kid swilling his food in his mouth no but that's what? this is a good example of we might not cover everything that you might okay. see right. but it's good to try and make links yeah i gotta think for myself okay um <laughs> okay well i thought connecting a little bit because of the making things but that i feel like i'm leaning more towards transforming no because okay no I'm just gonna go transforming in my mind I was like but how is like mixing food transforming it's just disgusting like that's not you're getting too stuck on the disgusting sorry yeah I am all right (laughs) when you say mixing yeah yeah oh mixing okay yeah transforming I'm gonna go with yes (laughs) (laughs) okay I think you're getting too stuck on the fact that you were disgusted by it to really focus in on what they were doing. Sorry. I mean, if you think about them holding in in their mouths their food. Imagine they've got ice cream or something. No, I'm imagining. Can we not imagine? But it's transforming, isn't it? Yeah. When I was a child, I remember whenever I got given ice cream, I used to sit and mix it until it went really runny. Yeah. Rather than... And then drink it. Rather than eating it as a, as a solid. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I did that. I made it turned into like ice cream soup. I prefer oh, to transform it. That's transforming. Yeah. You've transformed it from a solid, well, 
a soft solid into, <laughs> into something that's now runny. So you're okay, transforming when, it. When you put it like that, that's fine. But you, you're getting too you disgusted. With, let's put food in, in our mouth. drink. Yeah, let's... But that can happen, out. though. Yeah. That's still transforming. Right, okay, Just because you don't like it doesn't All mean right, it's not I'm happening. sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, next question. All right, last one. You notice a child in your setting loves to sort and organise toys and objects. You observe them lining up cars or when playing with wooden blocks, they make a long line, placing an item on the top of each block. At tidy up time, they take great satisfaction in sorting the pencil pots by colour and arranging the books on the bookshelf or making sure all the water bottles are neatly put away after snack time. These are my people. These are my Make position schemas. Oh, I'm happy now. We ended on a high. Am I right though? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's right. like we did this on purpose. <laughs> It's like you knew which ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yay. So I got full marks. Did four, I get four marks? Four out of four. So this is a lesson learned if you're an educator. If you don't like a schema, you have to be careful that you're still supporting that schema. Very true. <laughs> yeah, all right. Can we stop telling me off now? I'm not telling you off, but I, I think we do like... lean towards certain schemas. Yes, you're right. You're right. And we might be. It's good to be aware. Yeah, we I'd be the person jumping in puddles and mixing and making quite a lot of mess, I think. Oh, I like that. Julia, what, what schema would you be? Hmm. I think I quite like the enveloping one. Yeah. Or enclosure, because I do like putting things in boxes. <laughs> or hiding boxes. <laughs> That's fun. That's cute. Basically, she's untidy and she hides her mess under the bed. Or... <laughs> Hiding under the table, like oh, under, yeah. under the sheet, that's so fun. That is Closing fun. is fun. That is fun. Yeah. Little tense, oh. yeah. Cute. I like it. I like. It. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Thanks for teaching us all about schemas. Anytime. Well, and well done. Yes. I was very impressed. And now I know how it's like to be on the other side. So I'm sorry if I make uh. the too, too intense. And, and then don't champion us when we're yeah. doing so well. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I learned my lesson. And I apologize. Supportive environment, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Enabling environment yeah. psychologically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Well, thanks for teaching me so much. And uh, we've had fun. And I can't wait to see what we talk about next. Yeah. Oh, yeah, who knows? Well, hopefully you, because we've got to plan this. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll cool. <laughs> All right. Great, great, great. Have a lovely day, guys. See you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Great, there you go. Lots of things to remember and learn about, right? I didn't know there were nine different schemas to start off with. Um, but hopefully this has helped you learn a little bit more about what to look for in your settings and also how you can help as well. So if you want any more information, please check out the description of this episode because I've linked some really cool resources that Julia and Louise and the team have made to help do some further learning or maybe do a staff meeting on or teach your team about schemas and what to do. So go check it out there. And until then, I'll see you next time. Bye. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. If you would like to join in or would like to know more, then come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook page, Facebook groups, an Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Pinterest, 
and YouTube. All the links of where to find us will be in our podcast description. Come and join the conversation. And whatever you're doing today, I hope you have a great day.